0: Well, good morning and welcome, everybody, on this mild New Year's Eve day, the last day of 2023, and welcome to worship at Cross Timber. I hope you're um, excited about enjoying um, worship together and just spending time in the presence of the Lord. And um, it's good to see smiling faces. Hope everyone had a a Merry Christmas, and we we look forward to closing out this year and starting out a, a new year to see what the Lord has for us. And so whether you're listening in online or sitting here with us, we are glad you are here. Um, I have there are provisions available if you get a sweet tooth or a little bit hungry. Um, there are plenty of candy canes and there's still a good supply of Hershey Kisses that are. If you go out the doors, they're either to your left or to your right. Um, feel free to um, enjoy those um, if you want to, and we can make those go away, and that would be incredible if we could make those go away quickly but I want to welcome you we're going to spend time some some time singing we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4 in just a few moments and um, toward the end of our service we'll um, celebrate the Lord's Supper today so it'll be a wonderful day to be in worship and we're glad you're here so
1: welcome
2: Sent His Son. They come. Call- I believe in the sun. It's
0: Bible there, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start reading at verse 1 and read down through verse number 16 before our deacons come and we receive our offering. Paul writes to the Ephesians these words, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, In the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. and saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, each part is working properly. Each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love.
1: Join with me in prayer, please. Our most gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace that you have provided so freely for us. We thank you for this past year that you have given us and all the blessings that you have given us. We just ask that you would be with us in the coming year, dear Lord. Be with Brother Rusty this morning as he delivers a message. Just speak to him, to each and every one of us. Speak to our hearts, dear Lord. And we ask that you would be with our givers this morning of the offering. We give freely back to you what you have given to us. And we pray in your Son, Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?
2: There's a place where mercy reigns. Comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a rest like thee. I heard about His only Of His precious blood's atoning And one
0: if you are a Cowboy fan or not, but I was just thinking earlier, I, I don't really know who would have been more disappointed this past week, the uh, the random preteen boy who didn't get the uh, latest piece of electronics that he felt like he needed to make himself complete or number 68 for the Detroit Lions who for a moment thought he had caught the game winning pass only to find out that it didn't count because of a, a penalty, and I'm um, I think that probably equal um, sadness would be shared on both. But I say that as an introduction to tell you two very exciting things that have nothing to do with football um, or electronics. Number one is if you didn't notice in our bulletin, um, we exceeded our goal for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering with a little over $5,000. So that's good news. Um, there's also still more good news related to that is today's the the 31st of December, and it's not too late to give, so if you um, miss the plate, you can still um, get it in for Lottie Moon, and we're thankful that that goes to those that serve around the world. Second piece of good news, um, we've talked about it several times for several months, and it's finally coming to fruition next Sunday morning. Um, as many of you know, um, First Baptist Church of Burleson has committed to giving. Um, offer um, the opportunity for 10 families to come and be a part of our body for a year. And so next Sunday morning, during their service, um, they will have an official invite on behalf of the church to invite 10 young families to serve as short-term missionaries for one year um, at Cross Timber. So be in prayer um, for that, that the Lord will will send folks um, that he calls out. And um, from my understanding, um, the call is for those that are that are interested in coming and serving and not coming and sitting, and so that is that is very exciting. So two very exciting things um, that far overshadow um, anything related to football, at least in my mind, uh, maybe not in yours. But we come today to an opportunity that we, we share often, um, maybe not often as some do, but we celebrate at the end of our service what many... Um, call the Lord's Supper, others call Communion. If you grew up in a, in a Catholic faith, um, you may be familiar with the term Eucharist, but we will serve um, the Lord's Supper toward the end of the service, and this morning's words are directed um, toward that. Um, I try to do this somewhat often just to remind us of the meaning of the Lord's Supper and to keep it fresh in our mind. And so we'll talk about this morning just the idea of sharing in Christ. And speaking of sharing, you know, a church body or a church family shares, you know, many different things. We share the, the building. We share prayer requests with one another over the phone or email. We We share time together. We study the Bible together. We sing together. We pray together. We share in both the joy of those that are celebrating things, and we also weep along with those who have moments of sorrow. And at times, we even clear out all the... Well, we move the chairs around, set up tables, and we share meals, or we have meals at home. And we share those many things because of a common bond. And that common bond is not simply, well, you know, we we like each other. Hopefully we do like each other. It's not necessarily because we live in Burleson. That's probably true, or in surrounding communities. But the bond that we share together is that we're called by the name of Jesus, And we are the body of Christ that gathers together at 2560 FM 731 or 2560 John Jones, depending on how you want to reckon things. But one of the most meaningful times that a church can share together a body of believers is what we call the Lord's Supper. And when the church celebrates the Lord's Supper, we fellowship with Christ and we remember His sacrifice. I want us to read just two verses in First Corinthians chapter 10, It's the chapter prior to when Paul gives directions to the Corinthians about um, partaking in the Lord's Supper, and the larger context of the passage is he's dealing with the ideas of idolatry and how, if we're not careful, things can creep into our faith that aren't necessarily part of our faith, and that our faith is supposed to be in Christ alone, and it's to be... Valued and it should be protected. But in these in this discussion, in verses 16 and 17, he says to something that's very meaningful to us this morning. In verse 16, he says, The cup of blessing that we bless, it is not a is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Lord, we thank you that we are united today in the name of Jesus. We thank you that we are one body, united under one who is the head, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can sing songs that remind us of his sacrifice, we can songs that remind us of the victory that was one at the cross that was declared for all the world in the resurrection, and it will be full and final when he returns. We thank you that in these moments, as we look at the Lord's Supper, what it should mean, why we celebrate it, that you would just speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, help us to see the significance and the importance, and as we participate in it later, Lord, may it be a true time of fellowship with you and with one another. We ask this of you, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So there's three simple points. You just have note lines in your bulletins It shouldn't be difficult to follow along. And the first thing we need to understand about the Lord's Supper is that it's a shared meal. Now, the Lord's Supper has its roots in the Jewish feast of Passover. Now, you may remember that. The, the children of, of Israel are in Egypt. The Lord has sent the plagues. Pharaoh you know, listens to Moses, please let my people go, let my people go. Um, Pharaoh is not willing to let the people go. And finally, the Lord unleashes the final plague, the plague of the death of the firstborn. And God's people are instructed to kill a lamb and to paint the doorpost with the blood of the lamb and the angel of death will pass over. And because of the hastiness of their retreat, they were... Their bread they made was not able to rise, and so when they celebrate Passover, they have bread that is unleavened. Jesus celebrated this Passover meal with his disciples before his crucifixion, the upper room. We call it the Last Supper. Many of you have probably seen paintings or pictures that portray it, but it's also the First Lord's Supper or the First Communion. So it's the Last Supper with the disciples, but in our eyes, it's the First Lord's Supper or the First Communion. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell us the story. How Jesus greatly desired to eat this particular Passover right before His crucifixion with His disciples. That there were many things He had yet to tell them. That He washed their feet that the one who betrayed him, Judas, was even there. And finally Jesus says, go and do what you must. And during this Passover meal, the final cup that was shared in any Jewish home during the Passover was a cup of celebration, a cup of God's goodness, a cup of blessing. And so when we come to verse 16, Paul mentions particularly this cup of blessing, the final cup of the Passover. And he says simply, the cup of blessing that we bless, it is not, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Reminding the Corinthians and reminding us of the two main elements of the Lord's supper. Not only is it people gathered together, but there is bread that's partaken of, and there is wine or a cup that is enjoyed. And so when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we share the cup and the bread. In many traditions still today, they share a cup. If you've ever been to one of those ceremonies, there's you know a, a minister that participates, and they're very adept at, you know, there's one of them that usually turns and wipes. And so you have this cup that they all drink out of, and, and so they'll drink, and then they, they wipe it, and they turn, and they wipe and turn. They all break a piece off of the same loaf. In some traditions, you know, the priest even puts it, into their mouth. But there's a sharing of bread and, well, what we use, grape juice. And they share those together. It's a memorial to remember Jesus and what he had done. And so if you flip over, and you may not even have to turn a page in your Bible, just one chapter over, in chapter 11, verse 17, Paul reminds the Corinthians of the instructions about how the supper was to be conducted. In fact, he tells us that those words were given to him by the Lord and not from his own words. It wasn't Paul's idea, it was God's idea. How the the bread would be broken, the cup would be shared, all this would be done in remembrance of Jesus proclaiming his death until he returns. And so when this shared meal is enjoyed, it's a time of thanksgiving, it's a time of, of gratitude. Now many of us probably have the tradition of someone saying a blessing before a meal. Thank God for our food. And some of you probably learned it as at a young age. You know, God is great, God is good, let us thank you for our food. Something along those lines. But this blessing is just simply, God, we thank you for what you have provided. And so a blessed people speak these blessings gather together in this time of fellowship and of worship. And they share together in remembering and proclaiming. It's always fun to get together with family and remember things from the past. Well, fond memories from the past. Whether it's photo albums or videos or just telling stories. And in an even more meaningful way. When God's people come together, we share in celebrating the Lord's Supper and we look back at what He has done. It's such an intimate time of fellowship that Paul calls it a participation or a sharing in the blood of Christ. Now, if you have a different translation, it might use the word communion. It might use participation. It could say just simply sharing with But he is telling us, in essence, that this is what gathers us together, that it's Jesus himself, because we have a connection to Christ, that we're joined to him by our faith, that we're united together by his spirit, that we come as a church family to glorify God in our words, in our actions, and ultimately in the Lord's Supper by taking the bread and the juice. Now, underlining this is something very important. All of this is secured by the precious blood of Jesus. And while some traditions you know, believe that when you, you take the cup, that it's actually partaking in the blood of Jesus, we look into that cup and we see a liquid that is similar in color to blood and we're reminded of the blood that was shed. The one who John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The one who Isaiah wrote about who was pierced for our iniquity. And so when we sing meaningful hymns about the blood of Jesus, when we sing, you know, what can wash away my sin? What is the, the refraining line? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Until the cup, whether someone puts in wine or grape juice, it represents the blood of Jesus. It's what Jesus taught his disciples and passed on to Paul in chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus' words recorded here This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Then God would establish a new covenant, a covenant sealed by blood, blood from the sinless Savior that would secure life for all that put their faith in in Jesus and hope and everlasting peace. And on that cross, it was Jesus that shed his own blood, the blood that cleanses and redeems, the blood that Leviticus tells us where the source of life is and the song that we sing that there is power. So when we share in this bread that we break and we share in the cup that we drink, it reminds us that in Christ, because of what Jesus has done for me and for you, there's forgiveness of sin. Because He gave His life on the cross. So much that Paul writes intimately that when we put our faith in Christ, we share in His death, but we also gloriously share in His life. And so it's a a shared meal. We share it in fellowship with Christ. We share it as members of a new family because we have given new life. And not only is it a shared meal, but we share in Christ. The New Testament declares God's people to be the body of Christ. Each and every believer is a unique part or member of the body, each one equally valuable, each one equally important. And when we break bread as the body of Christ, Paul instructs us that it's a sharing in the body of Christ. Now, throughout the years, people have written and and surmised, and some may still even believe that that when you take that bread and when you take the blood, it actually becomes the actual body of Christ. But when we read that word, share, always remember that whether it's sharing or communion, that word is koinonia, which means fellowship. And so it's a close fellowship. It's a spiritual encounter with the Lord. And so Jesus specifically chose that moment of Passover that the bread would symbolize his body that was broken on the cross. That the, the wine would symbolize the blood that was shed. And the very one who stood and said, I am the bread of life, willingly laid down his life and was broken. Yet not a bone in him was broken so that we could have life. That's why when you see in verse 24 of chapter 11, it says, when he had given thanks, he broke it, talking about the loaf of bread, and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We lose something of the meaning and significance when we just, you know, for convenience, reach into a tray and you know, pull out our own little piece of unleavened bread or piece of, of cracker. But, you know, it was actually a, a loaf, a loaf of unleavened bread that was was broken, a symbol of sacrifice. Symbol of suffering, symbol of death, but also a symbol of fellowship. In Acts 2 42, talking about that young church growing and thriving in the power of the Spirit, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, not so much in our day, but in their day, they would go from house to house worshiping and praising God, they would enjoy a meal together and they would celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And so Jesus shared this cup with His disciples. It represented His blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. The blood that Paul wrote to the Colossians said that it was that blood that made peace between God and man. And in Ephesians chapter 1, he says it was that blood that bought redemption and forgiveness and it's that same blood that brings us near to Christ and so you begin to see as you listen to these words that Paul speaks and what Jesus said that we when we share the cup and we share the bread we share together in We celebrate the wonderful gift of our salvation. So there should be a looking back to that time of your spiritual birthday when you place your trust in Christ and you celebrate and you smile, but there should also be that moment of reflection, of grief, knowing that it was your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, that placed Him on that cross. But it should be a time that we enjoy the fellowship of one another, all the while remembering that it was made possible by the one whose wounds brought healing. And we could say that we are united together because we are united with Christ. That there is an inseparable linkage between Christ and His people and between their, between God's people because of the bond of the Spirit. If you look at verse 17, how he explains it, there is one bread... <laughs> and we who are many are one body so he's making a side by side comparison one bread one body and he says we all partake of the one bread in other words if you share in the body of Christ you are united with Christ it's a it's a mystery it's hard to understand how in the world could believers be in Christ and at the same time Christ in us it's something that that almost seems too good to be true It's impossible, but God made it possible. It's mysterious. It's wondrous. And as one writer says, that we are united with Christ in all that He does for us. As you look through Paul's letters, you find that we're united with Christ in His death, but also in His resurrection, and in His ascension, and His seating in the heavens. And so we are linked to Him, and we take part in all that He does, and we are united with Him in His promised return. And because we are united or connected inseparably to Christ, we are justified, glorified, and sanctified, which means we're perfectly saved. He's called us. He's made us alive. He creates us into new creation, and we're adopted into His family. Engrafted into the body of Christ. I love the thought of, you know, that we as Gentiles, non Jews, are wild branches that are grafted into the true vine. And once we're grafted in, we are inseparably part of that true vine that Jesus declared was himself, and we are living branches where we remain in Jesus, Jesus remains in us. And as Jesus told His disciples that we will bear much fruit and we all the while understand that apart from Him we can do nothing. So we're united with Christ. We're in Christ. That places us in His family, makes us part of His body. I'm not going to sing it, but you probably remember the old rhyme or song, you know, the head bones connected to the knee bone, you know, neck bone or whatever, you go all the way down, all those things. It's just a reminder that if you are part of the body, that you are connected to other believers. So not only are we united with Christ, we're united together. Again, back to verse 17, there's one bread and we who are many are one body. Now, I don't know what kind of bread you like. I don't make a lot of bread. But you think about it, there's many individual grains of grain that are ground in the flour that go into a loaf of bread along with other ingredients. So the grain is gathered up, it's ground, it's mixed together, it's kneaded together, it's united into one loaf. And at that point, it's inseparable. You can't unmake it. Oh, I didn't mean to put that in there. Well, it's too late. You can't just take it out. It's one loaf. And so he's giving us this picture that there's this loaf that is made together and there's a body that's made of many parts, not ingredients, but individuals who are connected together into one body with Christ as the head, knowing that the truth of Scripture is that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So if we are connected to Christ and we are, like it or not, inseparably connected to Christ other believers. One in Christ. And it's a connection that's not limited by time. It's not limited by geography. It's not limited by language or nationality. Which means we are linked in a spiritual way to those who've gone before us. We're linked even right now with those that gather in other continents and other places of, on the planet that speak other languages and that we're bound together by this bond of the Spirit. And because we're bonded that way, we're connected, each one of us share or partake in the one bread. That single loaf broken into pieces, shared by all, symbolizing the fact that we are one people, united under the name of every believer shares in one and only Christ. There's only one Jesus. There's only one body. So that means we're all in this together. That's why there's so many one another's in the New Testament. Because we're here. And we're here until Jesus returns, but then we're here for eternity and we better figure out how to get along, to work together because there's much work to be done. John Wesley wrote these words, we being many are yet, as it were, but different parts of one and the same broken bread which we receive to unite us in one body. It's how he disclaimed. Now you may have grown up celebrating communion, Lord's Supper. We use those interchangeably. But that word communion is the same word that means participation or partnership. It's koinonia. And it's it's a deep, meaningful word, I, I said earlier. And whether we call it you know the Lord's Supper, which you know seems almost a little more common, or we seem communion which seems a little more formal, it's essentially a shared meal that God instructs us to share, that we need to share with one another. It's a time to give thanks to God for all our salvation. It's a time to to be obedient to the Lord and what He's told us to do. It's an opportunity to fellowship with other people who place their trust in Jesus. It's a time to recognize that there's one church, that there's one people united in Christ, that each part is different, each part is important, that we all come from a variety of backgrounds, we all have a plethora of preferences that we all have many different stories that got us from point A to point B, that there is diversity in the language in the culture and the color of our church, but each is united in the name of Jesus. And we should be careful that we protect that unity, that we're not divided by minor differences of opinion or disagreement but rather when the world around us sees us, they know that we are identified by the name of Jesus. That we operate in the power of the cross, the power of the cross over sin and death, that we glory in the resurrection that brings life, that brings power, that because of His resurrection, that we enjoy the indwelling presence of His Holy Spirit. And that we look ever so... Eagerly toward the hope of his return, all the while understanding that while we're here, we have work for us to be doing. Because Jesus promised Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Pointing to the time that we will celebrate the Lord's Supper with the Lord self face to face in eternity. But when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we fellowship. We remember the sacrifice of Christ. We celebrate with one another the victory of the cross and the empty tomb. We rejoice in the gift that was bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus and we look forward to His return. So as we prepare our Hearts, as we turn our thoughts toward this opportunity to share the meal together let me just give you give you three things to, to think about in preparation one is that to give thanks for your salvation I, I can't say I do that every day I think it's something we should do probably more than every day probably many times a day but in these moment in a few moments when it's quiet and it's just the music playing just give thanks to God for your salvation. But also I want you to do something else. I want you to look around and I want you to give thanks for the people in your church family, the people that are in your the church body that gathers across you you. It's okay to look around. Nobody will care. But look around and give thanks. But then also remember that as Paul directs the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we should do all to the glory of... So give thanks for your salvation. Give thanks for one another. And then ask the Lord to help you in the power of His Spirit to do everything that you do in His name for His glory. We're going to pray in just a moment. Then we're going to have some music. Play quietly to give us an opportunity to reflect. And then we'll spend time together celebrating the Lord's Supper. So let me pray. Thank you, Lord, that it's your sacrifice that secured our salvation. That it's your goodness that at just the right time you sent your son to be the savior of the world. And on the very last Sunday morning of 2023, we counted the privilege to share this with one another. Lord, that it's both a time to reflect in a time to celebrate. It's a time to look back, but it's also a time to look forward. And so, Lord, help us as we listen to your voice too, to grow in our thankfulness for the gift of salvation, to grow in our love and our thankfulness and our affection for one another as a church family and to make a commitment in our hearts to do all that we do for your glory. We love you, Lord. We commit this to you and pray in your name. Amen. We'll have some quiet, some music play quietly. It's your opportunity. Um, the Bible instructs us that we should prepare our hearts before we celebrate the Lord's Supper. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's it's clear that it's for those who place their faith in the Lord Jesus. So if that is you today, you are welcome to participate as we do that in a few moments. It also tells us as we reflect that we should ask the Lord to search our heart. If there's sins we need to confess, if there's relationships that, that need to be mended, if there's forgiveness that needs to be extended, then then those things need to take place prior to us participating in the Lord's Supper. And so I just ask you, just spend a moment in thankfulness. Spend a moment in reflection. and Just spend a moment in committing yourself to do what you do to the glory of the Lord. So let's listen to the Lord together as He speaks to our hearts. share the Lord's Supper together. It celebrates our union together with him and our our deacons prepared to serve us this morning as we share with one another. If you'd like to follow along, these words are in First Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse number 23. All right Father, we are grateful for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We thank you that he gave his life so that we could live. We thank you that he who had everything gave his life. Bless this bread as we take it. Help it to be a reminder of your body that's broken. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Continuing on, in the verse 25, Paul says in the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you. Lord, we thank you that your word says that through the blood of Jesus we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, that it's according to your riches, the riches of your grace that you freely bestow upon us. And Lord, we are thankful that the blood that gives life, the blood that cleanses, the blood that heals, the blood that seals the covenant filled out for our sins on our behalf. We thank you, O Lord, for the sacrifice of your son.
1: We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Paul concludes his remarks by saying, repeating, Jesus, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's my hope and my prayer that this moment, this small taste of bread and of of juice um, not only would linger flavor in our mouths, but it would flavor our hearts and our conversations, our outlook toward this coming year. As we close out 2023 and look forward to 2024, may we be the people of God and the place God has placed us doing the will of God, doing everything to the glory of God. It's traditional here at Cross Timber that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we collect an offering that goes for our benevolence. The deacons will be standing out by the doors. If you do have something um, you would like to give, you can do that at this time. Um, I'd like to share a benediction. Um, I invite you to stand, I'll share a benediction, and then after that we will sing together. And after we sing, um, we'll be dismissed. We've come into the Lord's table. We've eaten the bread of heaven. God is the one who will transform so that we can see Jesus' eyes, hear with His ears and speak with His mouth so that we can be the body of Christ in the world, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom until He returns. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together.
2: Amen.